Is it crazy to think that Jordan Poole might be a top 30 fantasy player this season? In today's show, we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, the entire squad as we look at their fantasy outlook for the upcoming season, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Quick update on things. Uh, Damien Lillard trade reaction show earlier today. Got four team previews to go. Sixers heat. Blazers and Raptors. Raptors is definitely coming tomorrow. There's going to be a points league bus show coming, unless some other big trade drops. There's going to be mock drafts coming, and I think next week is all mock drafts. Tons of them coming, so be look look out for that as well as some. Uh, I'll say ADP battles, but I'm not sure I'm going to call them that, or we might tweak the format on that. So just be watching for that to come next week as well. Um, projections all updated, of course, over at Basketball Monster regarding the Damian Lillard trade as best that we can, especially with the Drew Holiday situation uncertain in Portland. We're here to... Oh, yeah, Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl will start next week as well. We might as well talk about that right now, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, that is the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. We're going to fill out to a 720 spots for categories, 360 for points. You have received invites. If you have received an invite and you haven't accepted it, you've got a couple of days. Because if you don't accept it, I'm kicking your ass out. Because I need to get the league divisions finalized and I need to send draft orders out. So if you've received an email and you haven't clicked it and paid, in a day or two, you're getting no more warnings. You're just getting kicked out. If you do want to still get in, drop your details in the entry form below, which is linked in the show description on YouTube and in the show notes on the audio side. There'll be a question later on in the show to get there. If you have any questions, you can hit me up on it, uh, YouTube comments, wherever. Uh, but a lot of the details are here. 18-man rosters, $50 entry, 40 max games per week, 12-team divisions. You can do categories or points, or you can do both. And we're looking to fill these out. And the drafts will start as slow drafts on Fantrax next week. So be ready for that. But let's talk now about the Washington Wizards because this is a team that we've been saying, okay, pick a direction. Are you going for it? Are you tanking? What are you doing? And they decided to, I won't say tank, but they started to rebuild. They traded away Beal. They traded away Porzingis. But maybe they're not as bad as we think. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because they re-signed Kyle Kuzma, the future MVP. They do have Jordan Poole. They traded for Tyus Jones. They didn't get supreme assets back in these trades. It's not the situation of a Portland necessarily where they've got these young guys they're giving this stuff to. Are they the worst team in the league? No. Do One of the things goes in their favor is they do have one of the worst coaches in the NBA. Not as much as Portland does in Chauncey Billups, who's a bottom three NBA coach, I would say. Uh, but Washington has a bad one. But having Poole and Kuzma and Jones and even a little bit of Gafford in there and DeLon Wright... The team actually makes a little bit of sense together, and maybe they're not as terrible as we think. That could lead, depending on how unsailed in the front office view things, to them pulling some shenanigans down the stretch. That worries me a little bit with this team, because I think those guys can actually make you better than you would hope to be if you were actually legitimately tanking and rebuilding, which I'm still not convinced that Leonsis is doing that. 
We'll find out. They have 44 quality games for this upcoming season. That's a lot for a bad team. Normally you're talking 40. They've got 44 of them. They've got 13 back-to-backs on the low end. They've got 12 games, uh, 12 weeks of the maximum games, which is the lowest. They've got a 4-4-3 week in the playoffs for the 24th of March finish. They go 4-3-4 on the 31st of March, 3-4-4 for the 7th of April, and 4-4-3 for the 14th of April. Nothing massively stands out with that schedule. I think that the 13 back-to-backs helps if you're worried about the Kuzma pool shutdowns. I think there's going to be more stuff that goes on there. What are the pressure points on this team, though? It is tanking. Like, Are they actually... Again, Leonsis has pushed back so hard on that. Are they actually tanking, though? Are they do or do they think they can again fight for the plane? Because I I would not be shocked if this team can be around the twelfth eleventh seed mark. I don't expect it, but they're not as dreadful as it looks on the surface. Now they, when you still look at their future, they're pretty bad. They don't have elite prospects or anything like that. But the re-signing of Kuzma was was very interesting to me in terms of like what are they doing with that? Is it to trade him later on? I don't know. The other thing is their center depth because they have none. There is no center depth on this team. So if Dan Gafford doesn't sprain his ankle in the final three minutes of every game and stays out of foul trouble, he might have to play 35 minutes. They still have to make roster cuts as well. So someone like an Anthony Gill, which gives me another chance to do this. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> like, he might not make the final roster. And their backup options are Mike Muscala and Taj Gibson. Gafford might have to play a ton. Or do they bring somebody else in? Or do they just play like Small and Kuzma at center? Or Gallinari at center? Who is on this team? There's a, one other bloke on this team is the most random, oh, shit, he plays for them bloke. We'll talk. About, I'm sure you know who it is. We'll talk about it later, though. The other thing is the ball handling roles. Tyus Jones, sure, is going to be the point guard. But is he? Or is Jordan Poole going to run things? I tend to think it might be closer to a 50-50 split. And we're going to put Poole under the lens later. I think it might be closer to a 50-50 split than we think. It's not just Tyus running everything because Jordan Poole is a creator. He's an initiator. And how they distribute that role. And I have heard Wizards people say, maybe Tyus comes off the bench, Poole starts, and then Kispert and Avdia play the two and the three. Which, considering Jones isn't a part of the future, he's an unrestricted free agent coming up. He doesn't have familiarity on the team. Maybe. Maybe. That's really key. That's really key to know how they're going to approach that. And I uh, I want to see it. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. But not DoorDash where you go in there and you order food for a restaurant delivery. They still do that and they do it really well. We know this. But they do grocery delivery now too. So if you decided you're going to whip out the pans, you're going to drop the apron on, clothes underneath or not, that's up to you depending on how saucy we're making this meal. But you go in there, everything's cracking, you've got spatulas behind your ear, you're flicking them around, you're chopping things up, you're mincing, you're doing whatever you need to do. And then you go and you go, oh my God, where? I forgot the word. What do you call that? What do you call coriander? Cilantro. Where's my cilantro? That's a terrible accent. But if you need cilantro or arugula, what other words do you say that are different to us for food? They're the two that come to mind. DoorDash Groceries got it. They got all the local grocery stores there. You can help support the local economy. And with Dash Pass, you can get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders as well. So get 50% off your first DoorDash order, up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. That's a limited time offer and terms apply. That's 50% off, up to 20 bucks, no minimum subtotal, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget the code. It's LOCKEDONNBA. 50% off your first order with the old DoorDash. 
Breakout candidates. You know, surely you know what I mean by this now. Is Tyus Jones a breakout candidate at age 27? Probably not. But he could very easily exceed what I expect him to do because my projection on him is relatively um, conservative because that issue I just talked about of like whether he actually is that main ball handler or they decide to bring him off the bench. I don't think they will, but it's possible. But what if he plays 35 minutes a night and actually does go crazy? I think that where he sits at the moment with a ranking of around 75 on Yahoo, who's probably a little high, but an ADP in the mid-80s, ADP on ESPN at 90s, is about bang on the right spot for Tyus Jones. It feels about right. But he could come out, and I've got him only projected at like, let me have a look, what do I have him at? 31 minutes, or he could play 34, and he could average 17 and 9. That seems unlikely, but I can't rule that out. Corey Kispert and Denny Avdia as well. Because I don't know how they're going to start. I think they're going to be back and forward. But what if one guy just completely blows up? What if Kispert plays 35 a night and they feature him as a scorer? I would say it's pretty unlikely. And also the fact that he does nothing else means that he needs to do that to have fantasy value. But maybe it happens. Or then what if Avdia, they, they just run pool and Avdia is a second ball handler. He's this elite defensive prospect on the wing who gets steals and blocks for you maybe. Runs that usage up and actually figures out how to shoot. Like That can happen as well. I like both Avdia and Kispert as late round picks. Avdia over Kispert. He's got a more fantasy-friendly game. And the other one is one of the worst players in the NBA. That's Johnny Davis, though. Davis was dreadful last season. Should never have been picked at pick 10. That's one of the ones that did actually get right in the draft. And it was dreadful. But I can't rule him out of being capable or competent. Definitely wouldn't pick him in the top 20 of that draft again. But like I said, what if they do go with Jones off the bench and start Davis? He looked better down the stretch. Granted, everybody was out, so they were just feeding him the ball. And that won't be the case until maybe we hit March. So those of you who play best ball, and it's not underdog where the regular season is what's important, maybe DraftKings best ball. Maybe you want to look at a guy like a John Davis as a guy to put on your bench in case that pool is gone or shut down or whatever. And Davis is racking up big numbers because he did it towards the end of last season. But I just don't believe in him as a player. So my projection for him is way down. But he could easily play significantly more than I've got him projected for. What do I even have him for? 19 minutes. Like If he added another 12 onto that, it is it is possible. I definitely wouldn't want to bet on it, but it, but it is possible. And now that brings us to a guard that we are putting under the lens as you voted for over on Twitter. I was like, I was going to pet peeve it for a second. And this is not directed at anybody. You know when you listen to a podcast and they go, yeah, find me over on Twitter or X as we might call it. I'm sick of hearing that. I'm just never going to call it X. I'm just going to call it Twitter. And I'm, and I, oh man, what, what do we call it now? Twitter or X? I'm just, I'm just overhearing that. Maybe that's because I'm just consuming too many podcasts. And I know that is just one of the pettiest beefs of all time. But you voted for it over on Twitter. Who to put under the lens? And it is Jordan Poole. I have heard some wild things about Jordan Poole from a, not an insider perspective, just from people viewing him for this season. I am pretty big on him, but every time I look at him and draft him round four or round three in fantasy, people go, what are you doing? Like, they're not going to commit to him. They'll play Landry Shamet or Johnny Davis over him. I go, bro, I, what, what are we talking about? I think the Jordan Poole season, the focus on the Warriors, the leaning media coverage towards Clay Steph and Draymond has made us think that this guy is trash. And he has some bad issues. There's no question about that. He has some problems. But the bloke is not that bad. And... I challenge anybody to watch Landry Shamit play and suggest that he will get minutes over Jordan Poole. There's just absolutely no way that's going to happen. Now, Poole, we know, is a, is a legendary stick man. 
and maybe there's distractions there and he doesn't love this team, but this is almost a perfect situation for him. Make it his team, take over, and show what you can do. And I'm really excited to see what he can bring. Now, it wasn't a great season from Poole, but that was to be expected. He was getting drafted in the 50s, and I was very much like, no, thank you. I don't know why I did that with my two fingers making an X, but I had no interest in getting him there. Because I was like, yeah, look at what he did last season. The first half without Clay, the second half without Steph. And playing with both of them, he just doesn't have those opportunities. But for as trash as he was, he was 88th in Yahoo Points Leagues, 101st in ESPN, and 78th in Category Minus 1 ranks. Like, that's not fantastic. It's not bad. It's okay. I, I think it's fine. Like, it's, it's, all, it's all right. And Poole did all that playing 30 minutes a night and went down to like 26 minutes a night over the last month. He averaged 19, 2, and 4 in that last 15 games, shot 44 and 86, shot 39% from three still. And that three-point shooting was really bad early in the season, but it got better. Over the course of the season, in only 30 minutes, on a team with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins for some of the season, he averaged 20 points, two and a half threes, four and a half assists on 43 and 87, a true shooting of 57% above league average. He had a usage of 29% on the Warriors. So there's almost no way that he can't like do that again. Bare minimum. I think he's going way up. I think he's playing 34, 35. I think his usage is going over 30. That's not that's not hard to do. He was 29 last season. He should go way above that. I think he's going to have primary ball handling responsibilities a lot of the time. He won't hit six assists, but if he did, I wouldn't be shocked. And if you look at his assist numbers here, you'll see they're relatively low for the week, 18, 17, 16, but that's not terrible. And then you have a couple of weeks, those 25, 26s. I think you're going to see more 20, week, 20 assist weeks from pool this season than you did last season. I just think he's being underrated like quite a bit. He is also one of the best free throw shooters in the entire NBA. And this graph here, while you can look at that x-axis, the lowest he goes down to in a week is 75, and he's had a couple of weeks at 100. That's really strong reliability. He's basically 85 or above nearly every week. And he might get to the line seven times a game. Nine times a game. He might. He is going to get so many opportunities to get to the line. Last season, he got to the line five times a game in 30 minutes without being a primary guy. I, I think he's going to get to the line a shit ton. And if he shoots 88%, he was at 87 last season, 93 the year before that, 88 the year before that. That is a massive fantasy boost. It's gigantic. We talk about his field goal percentage. Like, man, he's going to shoot you out of contests. I'm not sure he does. It's probably going to drop off, but the field goal percentage there is relatively consistent all season. Yeah, it's low 40s, 43, 44. That's not unrecoverable from, not at all. And it's probably going to be worse on more volume, but there's plenty of weeks there where he shot 50 plus percent. And it's one of those things, again, that I really stress in a head-to-head league. You're not losing every week. Like These things vary unbelievably. And the variation is steals, blocks, free throws. But then field goal percentage and threes are probably the next variable category. And he's not, like, he's going to be bad. I don't think he's going to be Fred Van Vliet bad, but he's going to be bad. But that doesn't mean that you just have to pass on him. He's minus one ranks per week. How many times he was inside the top 50? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight weeks out of 24 inside the top 50. Last season, in 30 minutes, playing on the Warriors. That all brings me back to talk about Jordan Poole. 
in terms of where he sits this season, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but he's got an ADP of 51 on Yahoo. That is, that's ludicrous to me. I am so far in on him, especially in a punt field goal situation, that even if I, okay, yes, I am worried about some of the shutdown stuff, but as I have stated, and it works almost without fault, if you end your season on the date that I recommend, you might get one bloke in the league shut down before that. I think this season it was Halliburton, and he missed like, th- like halfway through that final week he went out, and maybe Lillard t- with three days left in the week. Maybe that's pool in your finals matchup. But it's very rare to see guys shut down for the final four or five weeks of the season. It's just very unlikely to see. What I would be a little cautious of with Geordie is the Darko graph, where he's been on a decline now for two years. Uh, oh, that's not, no, sorry, that's not true. Because he, his rate of improvement declined. And then last season, he was declining his Darko impact all season. It was a bad year. He was rattled by getting punched in the chops by Draymond. He was rattled by what his future was on that team. I think this fresh start for him. And I am not, in the slightest, a big Jordan Poole fan at all. But I just think everything sort of sits for a guy who's moving to a team who have lost Beal and Porzingis, who has shown big usage in limited minutes, is an elite free throw shooter and can pass, now gets the opportunity to run a team. Um, One of the ones that stood out in that regard last season was a Larry Markkinen. I'm not saying that he's going to be as good as Larry Markkinen, but could he be as good as Larry Markkinen? Hmm. Let's look at this basketball index plot. I've got Ty Stones and Jordan Poole on this graph. I've got former Wizards shooting guard legend Bradley Beal. And two of the players that Poole gets um, compared with pretty often in Tyrese Maxey, Old Tangles, and uh, Tyler Hero. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. So what I wanted to look at is how good is Jordan Poole as a ball handler? So I've got his stable pick and roll ball handler. Points per possession percentile, that's a mouthful, on the X-axis and on the Y. I've got his overall shooting talent percentile, which is just shooting from anywhere on the field, mid-range, pull-ups, um, catch and shoots, off the dribble threes, all that sort of stuff. Um, what I'm really interested in is how he compares with Maxi and Hero. In terms of ball handler percentage in a pick and roll, he's marginally behind Hero. He's marginally behind Beal. He's significantly behind Maxi. That's worth noting. Maxi is more of a point guard, but he's close enough to Hero and Beal that he can take on a similar role. His shooting talent, though, Jordan Poole, is well behind Hero, who's at 96th percentile. Hero's at 80... Oh, sorry, uh, Poole's at 84th. Beal's up at 96, and Maxi's up at, like, 97. Okay? So he's not at quite that level. But the guy that he might be competing for is Tyus, with for touches is Tyus Jones. And he has a better ball handler points per possession in pick-and-roll mark than Jones significantly. 80th percentile versus 90th percentile. It's a big difference. And the shooting talent, well, Jones is slightly ahead there. Poole, is, again, is not that level of shooter, but when we look at how good he actually is in the pick and roll, I think that means the ball's in his hands more. That means more assist opportunities. It means more shooting opportunities. It means more minutes. And I'm very encouraged by what I see here. This isn't the be-all and end-all of anything. But there's just so many things that point towards Jordan Poole being significantly better than he was last season when he wasn't even that bad last season. He wasn't great, but he was not that bad last season. He is one of my sleepers on this Wizards team, but I'll talk about him in a second because I do want to talk Dan Gafford. Just break up the pool talk for a second. Dan Gaff. Um, Josh, you love Gafford every year. 
and he's trash. Uh, he's not that good. I know that. I'm well aware that he's not that good. Right? Last season, um, as soon as they put him into the starting lineup with Porzingis, I was like, let's grab him. Let's see what happens. Did he blow us away? Not really. He had some solid moments, for sure. But he was playing like 23 minutes a night and didn't really you know, show us a huge amount of things. Right? Totally reasonable. Gaff, uh, if I look at the where's his rankings from last season. Gafford averaged... Sorry, he didn't play 23. He played 21 minutes a night. Okay, there, well, there you go. 9 and 6, 1.3 blocks, 73 and 68%. The backups are Mike Muscala and Taj Gibson. And yeah, foul trouble is a problem, but 27 minimum minutes, minute surely. He's not very good, Gafford. I understand this. And when we're talking dynasty for him, do not invest that he is a starting center of the future. That is not how this works. But for this season, who the hell else is playing at center? And if you bank on minimum seven extra minutes, he's got to be he's got to be up there. His ranking was ludicrous. They've updated. He's up to 86 on Yahoo with an ADP of 100. Fantrax got him at 92. ESPN's got him at 77 with an ADP of 116. And Points League 99. Now, you might think it's aggressive to get Gafford at 77. I think that if you got him there, you've still got potentially 20 spots of value to come out of it. I would never draft Gafford at pick 50 or 55 or 60 or 30 or whatever. If you look at straight nine cap projections for me, he does come out really high. Do not ever draft him there. But when he's falling to the hundreds in the 80s and you didn't get it, like why can't he be Nick Claxton from last season? Claxton is a better player, but why can't he put up the numbers of Nick Claxton? I don't think there's really a reasonable argument that he can't. There's no one behind him. He's going to get an opportunity to play minutes. That's exactly what happened to Claxton last season. I, I will reiterate, I do not think Gafford is a very good player, but they do not have any good players or any prospects at all behind him because Vukcevic isn't coming over and he can't defend either. So I'm very big on grab, grabbing Gafford late. You do not have to have him. If someone reaches up and gets him at 70, you say, well done, good for you. I hope you actually get some value out of it. But when you're getting him at 90... Who gives a shit, man? Like, even if he doesn't work out and for some reason they play Taj Gibson 30 minutes or Gafford breaks his ankle game one, knock on knock on wood, it's pick 90. It doesn't matter that much. And there's Jordan Poole. Now, he's ranked up at number 20 on ESPN points. It's probably pushing it too far. And they had an, a gigantic adjustment in his ADP last week. Uh, a little shifty, I would suggest, but he's up to 27. I'm not saying he's a bad pick at 27 or even at 20. 20 is probably a bad pick in an ESPN points league. Um, in fact, it is almost definitely a bad pick in an ESPN points league. Um, but there's just not a sleeper there. But he's ranked 45, Geordie Poole, on Yahoo. 51 ADP, 50 on fan tracks. I would find it really difficult for him not to beat that number. And remember, in a head-to-head league, if you have him, you're probably just punting field goals. So don't come at me and tell me, well, he's going to have, he's going to destroy your field goals. My response to that would be, who cares? Who cares? Grab Trey Young in round two. Grab Jordan Poole in round four. Cool. Great. Love it. Could he average 28 points a game? Yep. I don't think he will, but I'm not far off it. 28 and six, eight attempts from the line, 88%, 42 from the field, three threes. Why not? Or it could go all horribly, horribly wrong, which we, of course, hope <laughs> we hope doesn't happen. Locked on Fantasy Basketball Bowl question time. I think we've got to go with Gafford. How many minutes did Daniel Gafford play last season per game? The answer is 20.6. So 
So just drop that in the question part of the show. 20.6 for an entry into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Fantasy busts? I don't think there is one. No one stands out as someone that I'm absolutely avoiding on this team uh, based on their um, ADPs or ranks or anything like that. You can look at Kuzma and see him ranked with an ADP of 61 on ESPN. I'd say probably calm down. That's maybe a little high, but there's no way Kuzma's not a top 100, uh, sorry, top 50 player in a points league. So that makes a lot of sense. In the category league, probably not. But in a points league, he's, that's absolutely fine. So there's no one that really screams, but maybe Tyus Jones ranks 66 on ESPN categories. That's pushing it a little bit high, but every other number seems to be in line. I don't really see anyone as a giant bust on this team. I said that this guy plays for this team, and I'll give you another reminder. Hands off my Daniel Gallinari, does he actually play a single second for them? They still need to make cuts, and I don't know what they're going to do because at the moment, I've got uh, Xavier Cooks and Anthony Gill as the cuts. Maybe they keep Cooks around, who I think is a pretty good player, played for Australia in the Olympics, or Gill, who I don't think is a good player, and is already 31. But maybe they keep Cooks and they do like just buy out Gallinari. He's coming off the ACL where he didn't get... I forgot to even put the screen across. We didn't even get to play in the um, uh, for the Celtics at all last season. So we hope that you know, he's healthy. He, we're obviously not drafting him in anything outside of 20 team leagues. What about trades? I guess they could trade Kyle Kuzma. Maybe that's why they signed him to that deal. But I would think that Tyus Jones is a risk of being traded. I would also throw D-Lon right in there. Why would Tyus Jones be a risk of getting traded? He's, he's solid... He's good. He gets an opportunity to be a starter. But I don't think he's their point guard of the future. He's an expiring deal. If he can get something back for a team that needs a point guard, do it. And then down the stretch, you can run bloody, pull at point guard, and get Kispit into the lineup more. They would need to get a center back. If they get a center prospect, that would be good. Or even just some center depth. But I think Jones is, is a risk. I'll throw Kuzma in there as well. Um, they're probably the two biggest risks, I would say, in terms of uh, trades. A lot of guys in a contract year. Tyus Jones is unrestricted. DeLon Wright is unrestricted. Gallinari, Mascala, and Gibson are all unrestricted. Wright's the interesting one because you know that he's my go-to laughable number when you talk about nine-cat rankings last season where he ranked 40-odd spots better than Giannis, which, of course, is a clear indictment on the value of those ranking numbers if you're looking at straight nine-cat stuff. Wright is an unbelievably good defender, but his steal rate has also taken a, sh- a huge bump the last two years. Is he going to actually play enough on this team? He, he makes a lot of sense for good teams. This isn't one of them, though. So when you've got Jones, you've got Poole. You've got Kispert and Davis, who probably need some minutes. Maybe even a Ryan Rollins, who you could play. Where does Wright get the minutes? Now, again, you look at projections. You might even base it on his stats last season. You know, he's definitely a draftable player. I have no interest in drafting him in fantasy. At least the sites aren't ranking him that way, so he probably won't get get picked there. But I, I just don't see it for him. Avdir is the interesting one. They, we know they traded away Hachimura in his restricted free agency year last year, and they lied to us and told us so they could give more opportunities to Avdir, and of course they didn't. So yeah, cool. For Thanks for lying about that. If they actually do believe in Denny, he needs to start. It, he makes absolutely the most sense to start between Kuzma and Poole. Get some defense out there, but that doesn't mean shit on this team. Like, who knows? I would be more interested in Gavdia. Uh, That's the Gaffet Avdia combo, one of the celebrity couples you didn't know you needed. I would be more interested in Avdia if Poole or Kuzma wasn't there because he actually does need to have the ball. He can't shoot, 
He needs to almost be Ben Simmonsing it and running things. And we saw last season when Beal would go out that he would put up good numbers. And then even if he would start when Beal would return, he'd get lost and he would never have it. The assists would go down. He's an, a player who's going to have rough percentages. But if they do sort of tailor some things to him, it, it can work out. I would be... Uh, maybe there's a risk that he's being traded. I saw someone in one of the comments sections on one of my videos say, man, what if Avdia lives up to the hype that he had pre-draft? Let me just be very clear to you on this. The hype that Denny Avdia had pre-draft was a lie. It was fake. And there was absolutely no believability in it. The next Luka Doncic people said, bro, settle down. Denny Avdia is basically, I think, the player that he was supposed to be coming out of the draft. If you believed in the, well, he's a white guy from Europe, um, so he must be Doncic, then yeah, he obviously hasn't lived up to the hype, but do not believe that potential exists because it was never there to begin with. He can be an interesting connector who can defend on the wing, who's tall, but he's not far from being that guy. He just The problem again with him is to be successful in the best case of himself, he needs more of the ball in his hands, and that doesn't always lead to a team being better, leading him to be sort of lost in, in the mix sometimes. So he can be a little bit curious, but I don't mind getting him uh, as a last pick. The risks for the rotation here is just, what do they do with the young guy's minutes? Like, do they play Kispert, who's not that young, but do they play John Davis at the expense of Tyus Jones or Dillon Wright? What about Calabali? Who, I don't know how much, I think he's going to play very little actually very early on, but later in the season, you'll see some minutes from him and... He'll become usable, I reckon, at some point. But I think he's going to have terrible um, efficiency in his first season, Calabali. I think he's going to have uh, low scoring numbers and just have outlines of good fantasy production. But I don't think he's... Yeah, there are people who say, well, maybe he just starts opening. I, I really don't think they'll do that, especially when Avdir and Kispert still exist on this team. And that is the other rotation risk is Kispert versus Avdir. If Kispert only plays 27 a night, there's no way he's a 12-team league guy for me. He'd need 35 a night and probably need Poole to be not be there. He just strong. He can't rebound, steal, block, pass. Shooting percentages aren't elite. He's good from three, but doesn't translate to big numbers. He's just not someone that is a good fantasy guy. But these two guys are. Dillon Wright and Daniel Gafford. We already think Gafford's going to play more, so that makes him a target. If for some reason Dillon plays 27 a night, a clear, a clear fantasy guy. A clear top 100 option in those minutes. Steals, assists, can block shots out of position, worked on his shooting. But in a 21-minute-a-night role, he's going to come in and you're going to see huge steals, which look good. No turnovers, which makes him seem like he's better at fantasy than he actually is. But give him a full actual role, he is good. I fully believe in Dillon Wright as a player. I just don't believe that he was better than Giannis. We're at the depth chart. I think they're going to start Jones and Poole as the guards. And there's a lot of guards here. Dillon Wright, Johnny Davis, and there's the man, Landry Shamet. Yeah, he plays for this team. Is he good? Absolutely not. But that's another mix there. So how does DeLon get enough minutes? If they are going to play Shamit, they shouldn't, but maybe they do. And how does Davis fit into that mix? And then the guy that I actually like the most out of the young guards here is Ryan Rollins. We saw nothing of Ryan Rollins at um, for Golden State last season. Broke his foot. I thought he looked all right at Summer League. thought he looked pretty good. Is he from Toledo? I think he's from Toledo. Really good pick and roll guy. Decent passer. I would want... Honestly, as much as Ty Strange is a very good player, he doesn't make any sense for the future of this team. I would want Rollins in there, and he could be an interesting late-season guy. He's just someone to watch. And Jared Butler, I think, is quite a good player. I just think he might be too small to ever have the success that he needs. On the wings, I am at the moment listing Kispert 
I wouldn't, but I think they will start him. And then behind them, him at Kalabali. Oh, even if Kispert starts, I'd be very reticent to draft him in a 12-team league. And then Kalabali, I just don't think he's going to play that much. And yes, I'm calling him Kalabali because his name is not Kulabali because he's French. His name is Kalabali. Actually, if I do it with a French accent, it's Kulabali. Like that. Bilal Kulabali. How's my French accent? Dreadful, yeah? Better than my American one, I think. Forwards, I think... What have I done here? I've put too many starters in. Apologies. I've got Denny Avdia starting as well. So the Wizards are going to try and get wins by starting six players, according to me. Uh, Avdia's probably not going to start if... Well, he's not going to start if Kispert starts. But Kuzma will. I haven't even talked about Kuz much, but in a points league, he is a clear top 50 player. He was on my points league. So he was a bloody cover image on my points league show the other day. In category leagues, again, people are going to be like, oh, but look at his percentages. That is true. But you still draft Julius Randle, right? Now, Kuzma's not the same passer as Randle, so you draft him well behind Randle. You've got it. He fits on certain teams. He's not a great free throw guy. He's a putrid steals and blocks player, but he's going to score a lot. He's going to get some rebounds. He has shown flashes as a playmaker too. He might average four assists. He might hit two and a half threes, even though the volume or the percentages might not be great. He's solid in the middle rounds, depending on how your team looks. And for points leagues, honestly, round three is reasonable for Kuz. Round four, maybe. Now, round four is more, more reasonable, I would say. ESPN points leagues, he drops a little bit more as well. And then Daniel Gafford's going to start. I don't see how they wouldn't. At the moment, I've got Muscala and Gibson as the backups, but maybe they don't cut Cooks. Maybe they don't cut Gill, and they're in that mix there. But there's no way Gafford plays fuel minutes in last season, and he should play more. He should comfortably play more, I would say. I just, I don't see any other viable player there. And again, I know there's a lot of people who are like, well, the, he's going to be the big bus guy this season. He's a giant risk. I get that because it, it is true. Like, he isn't very good. But don't go too hard on him, but target him in the 90s, maybe late 80s, and see what they do. What are their other options at this point? It That should give you a very strong illustration of how shit things are. The other backup forwards, they have a Patrick Baldwin. If he can actually shoot, he's interesting. Keep an eye on him. And then Eugene Omari, who I do not think is a very good player. For Durant and Bazemore, Gafford gets a gigantic bump in Durant. Pushes him up to almost like a fourth round sort of projection player when I've got him like as a fifth or sixth guy in my regular projections. Don't draft him there for the love of God. Jordan Poole gets a bump as well. Probably about a round's worth of value. And Ty Jones drops off in Durant. For Bazemore, it does have Kuz as a top 90 guy. Not sure that like... And again, if you tweak that to rebuilding, he's not there. Avdir is a top 120 guy. It's got Kalabali as a top 200, and that's trying to thread a needle. Obviously, Kalabali has an ability to much, be much better in rebuilding, but of course, if you just load up on all these young guys who are unproven, they're not all going to pan out. In fact, mo most of them are going to be bad. So you don't want to go super, super early on it, but Kalabali is at top 200 despite a low roll this season. Uh, Davis, top 210, and Ryan Rollins is top 300. Don't count that as being bad because I, I don't project him to play much this season, but the fact that there's a lot of things that I like about what Ryan Rollins can do. And that'll do it for me today. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey and on YouTube. I said Stitcher again. I'm never going to do it. Uh, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.